0: A note about this episode, we had some static during Bill's first answer, and we didn't want to cut it out because he says some really amazing things. But stick around. We clean it up after that. I know you're going to enjoy this episode of Group Answers with Bill Willis.
1: LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network.
0: You're listening to the Group Answers Podcast, a weekly show designed to resource, train, and encourage small group leaders. Each episode considers current trends and resources, as well as timeless truths and methods of discipleship. It's hosted by Brian Daniel and Chris Surratt. Now, enjoy the show.
1: Welcome back to the group answers podcast show. I am Brian Daniel with Chris Surette. Chris, here we are. We're back some uh sabbatical. We're in episode three and the training wheels are off again and we're, as they say, rolling. How you doing today?
0: I'm doing good, man. It's good to see you. It's funny. We're actually on episode two thirty-nine, I think, but it makes it feel fresh if we say three off a of sabbatical. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it, and it we're feels- all
1: and we're all for that.
0: Yeah, no, it feels good. No, it's always, always good to see you. I'm especially excited today. We've got an, an amazing guest with us.
1: The best, right? And this would be appearance number three, maybe four. I don't know if he's at gold jacket yet, but he's well underway in that well, direction. You want to well, go it, ahead and...
0: yeah, if, he's definitely close to it um a, he may be just right under steve gladen but you know steve has a lot more time on his hands steve will call me sometimes and say please interview me i've got nothing else to do bill's a little harder to get a hold of so no no I'm so, so excited bill this is bill willets he's the executive director of adult ministry environments for north point ministries and one of the founding staff members graduate of dallas theological seminary he and his team has have connected more than 50,000, get that people, adults mm. into small groups. Bill and his wife, Terry, have one daughter and one granddaughter. And as we were discussing before we went on the air, a huge Braves fan. Welcome, Bill.
1: Welcome, Bill. If we that. had, if we were a higher production show, we would have an applause button that we would have just pushed and it would be great. But we don't have that. So we just have to That's a a a, welcome a, has to be sufficient.
2: Listen, it's great to be with you guys, and I will send my uh, jacket size so I can get <laughs> fitted for the gold jacket. I mean, <laughs> but with a gold jacket or not, I, I'm always honored to be with you guys. Well, here we
1: are on the eve of the July 4th weekend as the recording of this show, and we're we're coming into the all-star break and, and the stretch down baseball scene. How are you feeling about your Braves right now? I mean, are you, are you optimistic, hopeful? Are you feeling... So, what's the temperature down there?
2: Well, yeah, I know it's hot is, in Atlanta. Yeah, it's always hot Baseball-wise, though. <laughs> it's, it's hot Atlanta for sure. It is – actually, last week was brutal, but we're three out. Uh, month of June was very good to us, and so we played some really great baseball. We were nine and a half, ten out, and uh, we've, we're making a little run. Uh, maybe we'll make a couple of trades that will help us, and then we'll be able to move forward hopefully in champion, a championship style. Don't expect what we did last year, but boy, um, that was fun.
0: My, uh, well, my, my Cardinals are in first place. Thanks for asking Brian. So I throw that in there. <laughs> Go ahead.
2: But Chris, You're it's only a matter of time, Chris. See, that's, that's what I say to Dodger <laughs> fans too. It's only a matter of time.
0: Oh my. Yeah, I know. Dodger well, fan
2: Bill yeah well
1: I i mean not to belabor the point I 162 games is a long that's a long season Jeez. and there's a lot of room for a lot of injuries and that's where we are right now I mean we're Dodger fans can't come no one wants to hear us complain but boy we we've been hit pretty hard this year we uh I think we'll get a lot of them back by this fall and if the Padres do the Padres thing, we'll be all right. But I kind of like the Padres. I like that team, and they're playing. They're playing yeah. good. So I guess we'll see. But Chris, yes, th- bull- thank you for asking. Your bullpen's <laughs> gotten just crucified, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, we got beaten up pretty good. That's right. Yeah. And it's just we've dodged that bullet for a lot of years. So it's just it's just our time. It really is.
0: Well, I, I'm excited to talk baseball with Bill, but even more. Hey, Bill and I have hung out at a baseball game. We, we went to a... Yeah a local nashville sounds game and that was pretty cool tickets right on the the box and right on the the outfield that was a lot of fun that's but fun. uh let's uh let's talk a little bit about groups because that's why we love bill his heart for groups and just the history of what north point has done and one of the things that you guys did was in 2012 when creating community came out was that the the first version of it something like that bill
2: you know what, Chris? It was actually 2006. Was it that so for her? Yes. Yeah, so here we are 16 years later. And
0: uh, wow, we just
2: did a, a refresh. Uh, actually, about 70, 75% of it was totally rewritten. Uh, used the same framework, but uh, the insights were pretty dramatically redone.
0: I had no idea, too, I didn't even know churches were doing groups in 2006. I mean, that's just, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's incredible. So my question for you, Bill, is why, <laughs> why well, I guess, I mean, other than it's 16 years later, why did you guys feel like you wanted to update it?
2: Well, I mean, I think that's the obvious answer is that um, organizationally, there's just been a lot that's changed. The nuts and bolts of what we actually do. While the framework of the principles maybe stayed the same, the actual uh, things that we did have changed dramatically. And so we really wanted to get our freshest um, words and verbiage and uh, work uh, put in there. Um, So organizationally, that certainly has changed a lot for us. Culturally, you know, I think just the need for community has continued to uh, to. To demonstrate, especially post COVID, you know, what was it 30 years ago? Gallup said that Americans are among the loneliest people in the world, and that was 30 years ago. Yeah. And then, uh, I was reading a stat, and it's a, a lot of this stuff's in the book, but um, talked about that Gen Z is the loneliest generation ever on record, and they actually have worse health because of emotional uh, issues that come along with isolation uh, than actual older generations. And then you can think coming out of COVID with depression being up 50%, uh, substance abuse up 50%, you've got suicide and suicidal thoughts 40%. You know, it's culturally, um, I think required just a fresh look at what are we doing to actually create places that are safe for people to be able to process life and obviously process faith as well. Then you take on top of that over the last 16 years and all the technological advances that have uh, that have taken place. I mean, think about it, there were no smartphones, there was no social media, there was no real digital connection options for people. And those um, those advancements have obviously been great gifts to us, but they've also come with some corresponding costs, which is one of the reasons why I think Gen Zers tend to be more lonely. Um, you know, people are having a tough time creating really meaningful relationships with other people. Uh the University of Southern California hired a director of belonging to teach a class on how to have a meaningful relationship because kids today were having such a tough time of being able to do anything but look down on their phones. Uh, the UK Made a recommendation to have a minister of loneliness and make it a cabinet ministry because of some of the epidemic issues that were happening pre pandemic. So I look at all that that's happened over the last 16 years, culturally and organizationally. And we just felt like, let's use some of this COVID space and uh, put some of our freshest work and freshest thoughts into it.
1: So, Bill, on the show, we talk a lot about things like being intentional and with clarity. And, um, you know, in the book, you talk about how clarity is king and that clarity is actually a form of kindness. You discuss three questions in the book that the leadership team has used over time to bring clarity. So I was wondering if you could give us a little bit about uh, how you take on this notion of clarity and how you bring on another layer of intention in that respect.
2: Yeah, I think when it comes to doing anything organizationally or strategically, obviously um, clarity is critical If so people know what to actually do. So early on in our conversation, we we were fortunate to be able to start with a blank sheet of paper and we asked ourselves three questions. The first one was this. What do we want people to become? And this is really driving at getting a clearer picture of what's the preferred outcome that we want for people. What's the goal? What are we actually trying to do with our small groups or what are we trying to do as a church ultimately? And the way we answered that is, um, we've changed our, our verbiage more recently. Um, we've said we said we want people to be lifelong followers of Jesus, not just believe something about him. Belief is the first step but to actually follow him. So we our mission has really changed to be to inspire people to follow Jesus. And so certainly that starts with belief, but hopefully it doesn't end there. Um, we have a saying that, um, that Andy uses on a regular basis, following Jesus makes you better at life and makes your life better. And while it sounds consumeristic, the whole idea is you get the benefit of what it means to be in relationship with the living God when you actually do what he says. It's really um, that. So the first question we asked ourselves was, what do we want people to become? And we said, well, we want to inspire people to follow Jesus. We want them to be Jesus followers. Then the second question we asked ourselves was, what do we want people to do? And this question really clarifies the how or the tangible steps that we want people to take in order to follow Jesus well. And the way we answer that is we want people to grow Uh, in love with God vertically, and then in love with other people horizontally. Paul said it this way in Galatians 5, when he's talking about some of the Judaizers that are in the church, he says, you know, if I really want to boilerplate it down, what it all comes down to is growing faith expressed in love. I think that's his way for him to express what Jesus said. It's, It's To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor uh, as yourself. And so we just, what we want people to do is we want them to grow in their love for God, which is demonstrated by their deeper trust in or faith in Him, evidenced by how that's being expressed uh, horizontally in their relational world. So that's what we wanted people to become. Followers of Jesus, what we want them to do is grow in love for God and for other people. And then we third question was, we wanted to be crystal clear as where we wanted to uh, challenge people to go. And, you know, I've been in ministry for now, which is crazy, over 30 years. And, um, you know, one of the things I've been in so many great churches and very thankful for each one of them. But some were clearer on this issue, Um, some strategically, and then some, quite frankly, because they didn't create competing systems inside of themselves. And I think churches tend to be more apt to die of indigestion than starvation. Um, They just (laughs) tend to have so much to offer that people don't know where to go. So one of the things that we wanted to do was Uh, to drive people towards a similar destination. And we really do this from kids to adults. And that for us uh, is in the small group context. So if you're a kid, we have a small group environment for you. There's master teaching, and then they get into a small group, and there's a relationship that they have uh, beginning in, uh, in kindergarten all the way through adults. And so... We just think, we say it this way, life is better connected because connected people go further faster. It's why we have coaches in athletics, and it's why we invite other people to be in our lives. We we go further faster when we have other people speaking into us. So those three questions were really foundational and fundamental for us to get clarity around and uh, has really helped us drive not just a church with small groups, but a church of small
1: Let me ask you this, Bill. So when you say us there, these three questions, are these more questions that that leadership that would be more the vernacular and leadership to drive culture or are these questions out there for everyone to understand and see and,
2: and be informed by how they interact with them? Brian, that's a great question. And I think absolutely it is a macro, if you will, um, that's for everybody. I think when we're trying to build church culture, you know, clarity is is key and clarity is kindness to the rest of your staff. Because um, everybody wants to participate in what the leadership is leading us to do, but sometimes they don't know where that where that is headed or they don't have clarity about what their role is in it. So those three questions were real important for us. Um, and, you know, as a church, early on, it's great. Leveraged that for the last several years.
0: Yeah, Um as you mentioned at the beginning, a lot has changed over the 16 years since you guys have written the book, and a lot has changed just in. in church life and culture, you know, especially the last two years, it's just been warp speed. I think uh, the changes that have happened. And when we do systems, we tend to make assumptions. We think that, you know, people are going to grow this way or this is going to be the best environment for somebody to grow spiritually and all these assumptions that we make. And I know you guys do the same thing. Can you share maybe examples of two or three assumptions that you've made about community or groups that, that have changed over over the last few years?
2: Yeah, uh, there's been a a bunch. I think one of the most prominent ones is that I don't think people are willing to make, at least initially, uh, longer term commitments like they were early on. I think the idea of casting a vision of that you're going to, do life with a group of people over a prolonged period of time is ideal, but not real. And I think especially for guys who may be new to the faith journey or are getting into a small group because their spouse has said, Hey, I got this great idea and it would be a great way for us to shrink the church or be able to grow or be able to do something together, um, which is all great. But You know, typical guy says, "Now we're going to do what with who for how long?" (laughs) And so, (laughs) the idea of, "Hey, we're going to do this for eighteen to twenty-four months, or we're going to do this for a prolonged season in our as our kids are growing up," just isn't realistic. So, we're really realizing that just with all of culture, people are looking for more um, short-term experiences. That potentially can lead to longer-term experiences. So, we're asking, uh, we're selling three-month groups that lead on to longer durations, and all we're asking—it's basically a try before you buy. Um, you know, get in for three months, and then if you're had that, we have a three-month curriculum track that we have people follow, and uh, when they get to the end of that, they certainly have the opportunity in the out to be able to move on. But the funny thing is about 90% of them stick. Hmm. It's, it's just that the idea of a long-term commitment before I actually know the people I'm going to be in that long-term commitment with. And when they get to know the people, they realize, ah, there is something to this. There is something for me connecting with people. They're normal people and uh, they're helping me go further, faster in my faith journey.
0: I'm curious about that because you guys have been doing that for a little while, kind of the short-term uh, experiment. Are are people, are you seeing these groups last for, I know initially you wanted groups to at least go a couple of years. Are you seeing groups start with that three month and then going a year, two years? Is that what's happening?
2: Yeah, so we'll, we'll have a group launch season coming up in August and September, like a lot of churches. And um, we'll do that three month window. And then ideally they'll go the school year because people are looking at it from school years and calendar years based on what their kids activities are. Cause you know how much that drives what the family does. So we're trying to play in those rhythms. And so if we, we, we think that we'll typically get in August people to play out at least nine months and then they'll take a break in the summer And I'd say about 60% of those come back in the fall or get into a different type of group um, Mm. afterwards. But again, the idea of saying, hey, for three years, we're going to do this or for this season while our kids are in elementary school, it's just unrealistic and life happens and there's so much change that happens around them. So we're just going to be subject to that.
0: So on that same thought, sorry. Go ahead, Brian. Go ahead. No, I was just
2: going to say. It just seems to me that there's a lot of fluidity
1: in this context right now, coming out of the pandemic. There, it just seems like there, the mentality has changed. And I'm, I'm not going to say the mentality has changed in such a negative way. It's just different. So, Bill, like what you're saying, there's there seems to be this almost fear of commitment, even before the pandemic, that it just acted again as an accelerant of that uh like what you said with the, the mantra used to be doing life together and just like you said i think i think a lot of us are like whoa hold on you know I, let's <laughs> let's let's crawl and walk and run let's not go right to marriage just yet so i think that just seems to be that just seems to be wise but that's all i was going to say chris i think i know what you're going to ask though
0: I just I'm thinking Bill now looking towards the future um as you guys are planning and changing and for for instance one of the things that you changed that you talk about in the book is group link you went online um at least at the time of the writing of the book and what are what are some things that maybe you're holding loosely some assumptions you're holding loosely because it might change.
2: Yeah, I mean I think uh it has changed. I mean one of the things that we one major change that we made is we're doing online uh, registration now, rather than an event, and we thought the best way to make our large church feel small was get people in a room and let them get to know each other by region of the city, and then find your people, if you will, and then you can group up and and then go. and And our online registration now we're doing everything online. It has, like any system, it has pluses and minuses, but it has been. It's taking the speed dating out of the experience and uh, it's allowed people to uh, um, get connected and then immediately start their experience in the home. Now, the downside to it, to be honest with you, has been, you know, we've had a higher no-show rate um, that they'll sign up and then you get about a 10-15% no-show rate as, you know, as a result. So that gets tricky and and the but that's one of the the big assumptions that we we felt early on is that we needed to have this gathering that would allow us to launch and connect people, and then they could have their first group meeting live, and uh, um, online registration has just worked really well for us, but again, there's pluses and minuses to everything.
0: Yeah. Did you guys start online groups during COVID? And if so, uh, are you continuing them? Is that something for the future for you guys?
2: Yeah, we actually, we started it back in 2019. So we did it pre COVID and thankfully, I mean, it really helped us. Um, Obviously the connection numbers were about 50% of what they had been, but at least we had a system that could work uh, in the midst of a pandemic. And so we've just kept, kept it going. And, I don't envision us going back, uh, by any stretch of the imagination. One of the tensions with online registration though, is you can, and we're having to pay attention to this is, um, unintentionally cap capacity by the number of group offerings that you throw up. Um, Mm -hmm. and so we're connecting 90, 95% of the people who uh, sign of the offerings that we're offering. Um, But I think the campuses that are, and we've got eight in Atlanta, Atlanta, eight campuses in Atlanta, of the smaller campuses that are filling only 80, 85%, I think they're actually reaching their um, potential where the campuses that are reaching or filling 98% of their openings, their group openings, may be capping unnecessarily or uh, artificially the capacity for getting in. So I say, I just say all that to say every system has its pluses and minuses Mm -hmm. and we've got to monitor them. So we make sure that we take care of them, but that's definitely been one of the major changes and assumptions that we've worked against.
0: Yeah.
1: Real quick in the book you talk about, uh, you say that all groups simply needs two things, a plan and a guide. And I love the juxtaposition of these two words and the way that you use them. But I, I think it'd be great for our listeners if you could share with us what you mean by that and why it's so important.
2: Yeah, I, I think we can really complicate. And I know I have through the years. So you know, <laughs> I'm raising my hand. Sheep yeah. among sinners. But <laughs> really what it comes down to, I think for an effective groups or effective group system is really a plan and a guide. What's the plan and who's the guide? And is there clarity around what we're um, providing for people to do? And then have we adequately equipped the group leader or the guide uh, to be able to do it well? And so we've just tried to be more intentional through uh, the last few years on that plan, whatever it is. We have both a three month and a nine month plan so that there is intentionality. Now, again, some of our groups. We'll say, hey, this study I really want to do that we did last, you know, two years ago with another group. That's great. Um, it's their guides. Uh, it's a guidance system. It's not a directive. But, um, but we want to make sure that there is clarity around the plans we're offering. And then um, what are we doing to adequately prepare our leaders to be the most effective guides, both in leadership and from a pastoral perspective that they can, because they're the frontline pastors uh, functionally in our, in our church. Um, Cause they're, they're doing the pastoral duties of the one anothering um, in their groups. And so, you know, I just, how, when we're looking at it, trying to boilerplate it, okay, what's the plan that we're throwing up there this coming year? Is it, uh, does it have built-in rhythms of, or is it just study after study after study? Is there a service project that is in the middle of it? So they're actually doing something outside of themselves. Um, are they breaking up? If it's a couples group, are they, are the guys going to like, we we're, we're, we lead a uh, just married group, which is all newlyweds, you know, wide eyed. And it's, it's a blast. They're all in their twenties. And uh, we're going to, Uh, tonight is we finished something um, uh, uh, curriculum and we're going to do a social night and the girls are going to do something and the guys are going to see Maverick tonight. So, um, Mm, you know, yeah. So, you know, it's just what are the rhythms that we've put into our plans to make sure that in the words of uh, Howard Hendricks, my seminary professor, are we keeping them longing or loathing? And (laughs) so uh, just trying to make sure that the plan is, um adept for real life and then the guides are adequately prepared to be able to at least know what assets or resources are available for them as they lead their group.
0: I'm curious what you, what is your rhythm for challenging these assumptions. Um, so when you guys come up with a new idea do you, do you kind of give it a year to you know to see how it goes and then everything is on the table again or what what's your rhythm with your team?
2: Yeah, so about every five to seven years, we'll look at the macro assumptions that we have as it relates to connection, as it relates to spiritual growth, as it relates to the role of groups in the growth process. Um, and we'll we'll do a pretty wholesale look top to bottom over our five to ten running assumptions. And I, I've actually outlined those outlined those in the book. Um so we can just have a fresh take. Because again. We, we can assume, right, too long that things are still germane um, and they may or may not be. And then you get fresh people coming in who are, you know, um, checking the tires and it's really helpful to go, oh, you're right. That assumption is not um, uh, an accurate um, picture any longer. So we need to change it. And um, so we try to do that, but we also try to do We'll beta test something for, you know, three to six months somewhere. Somebody's trying something different or a new uh, training uh, module or something. We'll we'll, we'll try it out and then uh, make any changes we need to. And then we'll deploy it after that once we've got the taste rather than having everybody go through everything.
0: Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I got one last question for you, Bill. You were kind enough to uh, ask me to endorse this version of the the book. Before you did that, did you take into account the uh, probably fifteen to twenty percent sales hit that you would get just from having a Surratt name in the book?
2: Uh, Listen, the Surratt name is a universal name for church growth and church leadership. So from top to bottom, that is a that is a gold standard name. So it was an easy decision.
0: Uh, I think it's been studied. It's at least a 15% drop in sales uh, when you have a Surratt name. But I appreciate you doing that anyway. Thanks.
2: It was for the rest of your family. <laughs>
0: Well,
1: Bill, thank you so much for being with us this afternoon. It's been great, and hopefully we can do it again. We can do it again real soon.
2: I'd love it, Brian. Thank you.
1: And as a Dodgers fan, I, I wish you guys the best down there. I, I, sure. I really want to get down there and uh, and come to the new stadium. I haven't been there yet. It looks like a neat place. Me too. And uh, not far from where we used to live when we lived down there. Oh, that's awesome. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Group Answers Show. Thank you for being with us. As always, this is Brian Daniel and Chris Surratt signing off. And as always, I would encourage you, if you find it in your heart, to give us a rating and leave a comment, or even if you've got that extra eight seconds or so, subscribe to us. That way, it comes right to your inbox, and you don't have to find it by accident or go looking. So, Chris, hope you endorse this message. Always, everybody being with us. (laughs) We'll see you on down the road. Yeah. Cool.